0: Okay, we're up to the beginning of Peichas Amad Aleph, the, the three lines into the page by the two dots. So, Rav Yehuda's sheet is that if you wound a Canaanite slave, you don't pay busha. So, my time is, Rav Yehuda, what's Rav Yehuda's svarah, that Avadim don't have busha. Amar the pasuk says, the pasuk, this is the pasuk that refers to paying for busha. It talks about if a woman grabs a man in a private part. The pasuk says, <laughs> The pasuk describes the fight T- taking place between Ish uh, Misha yesh le'achva. That implies that the whole parsha, which includes B'usha, only applies to an achva, a brother, Misha yesh le'achva, which excludes a, a, a guy, a guy is a slave, because he's not one of our brothers. So the word achva, in other words, implies Jews, as opposed to an who's not a full fledged Jew. The Rabbanan, the Rabbanan say no. An eviknani is considered an achiv. Why? Because achiv mitzvah? Because an eviknani is not a guy; he has to keep the same mitzvahs that a woman keeps. So, in other words, as a machloiges. Rabbi Yehuda the Rabbanan: How do you define the term achva or achim? Is an Kanani included in achim? So, Rabbi is says no, because he's not a Jew, not a full-fledged Jew. The Rabbana say yes, he is, because he has to keep the mitzvahs that a woman has to keep. So, he's considered an in achva in halacha. So the Gemara now says like this, if uh, you're telling me this is a bigger machlekes as to whether an Eve K'nani falls into the category of Achim or Achva, now we'll go to different aspects of the Torah where the word Achim or Achva is found, and we'll see how it applies or doesn't apply to a, an Eve K'nani. According to Yehuda, the word Achvim or Achva excludes a Canaanite slave. So let's say you have Edom Zoyman about an Eve K'nani. let's say... Two Jews, Reuben and Shimon, lie that an killed somebody and he's going to get the death penalty. And they're found to be liars. So what's the halacha? They should get killed. But you're selling, well, wait a minute. But according to Yehudah, it shouldn't apply. And that's how we pass again. But according to Yehudah, it shouldn't be. Why? Because the Pasik when it describes Edom Zayman, it says, Now, if you're telling me is excluding Evekinani, that means the parsha of are not included in the Parish of Edom Zayman. So if you lie about an and try to get him punished, you shouldn't be punished yourself, because Edom Zaymin is seemingly not including the Eveknanim as being part of the context, because it says, and according to you, the Eveknani is not eviknani. So the Gemara says, no. I'll tell you why you have to be punished, even though the word Eveknani generally does not refer to an eviknani, because the Pasuk says, you have to get rid of the evil of your midst, all evil. At the end of the day, if you lie about Eviknani, that's evil. So, yes, the word Achim generally does not include Eviknani, but over here it will be Arzara which means that you have to get rid of all the evil of your midst, and that includes someone who tries to hurt an Evakanani, because that's doing evil. Therefore, this is the exception. According to the the word Achim includes an Evakanani. Why can't an Evakanani be a king? Because the Pesach says, you have to bring meachiv. It has to be from one of your brothers. So why can't uh, an evaknadi be a king of Klaal So the Gemara says, no. According to you, you're telling me that to be a king, you just have to be an achim. So how come a ger is not allowed to be a king? One of the halach is that a convert can't be king either. Now a ger is definitely an achva. He's a full-fledged Jew. Yet he can't be a king. Why? Because a king, it's more than just being an achim. The pasuk says, Mekerevachecha. Mm-hmm. Mekerevachecha means from the midst of your brothers, meaning, Mimuvichar has to be the elite of your brothers. That excludes the ger and that excludes Evekanani. So the definition of being a king is not just enough to be in Achim, because a ger is definitely in Achim, and he's also excluded. It has to be Mivcharachecha, it has to be the elite, and that excludes Evekanani. El me'at according to Rabbanon that the word evikinani implies achim as well. Ye evik Kashal aidus. Then how come an evid cannot an evid cannot be an aid? The pasuk says, aid aid or The pasuk describes uh, false witness and it says that he did evil to his brother, which tells you that an aidus applies to all achim. So how come an kanani cannot be an aid? It's a good kasha. If you tell me the definition, the Evaknani is included in the terminology of Achim, and this is the word Achim by Eidos, that means that eviknani should be able to be an aid. But we know that he's not allowed to. So, Amr Ullah, so basically, how do you know eviknani can't be an aid? So, Ula, Eidus, I know he can't be an aide. Why? I say Aidus, but isha. The psal of Eidos by an Evaknani is a Kavachoim from a woman. Ma Isha, when it comes to a woman, she really love a that she is a full-fledged Jew, so that she's not allowed to testify, to eved regarding a not Canaanite slave. She ain't a royal a who cannot marry a Jew? a If a woman who's a full-fledged Jew cannot be testifying, So the says can't Wait a minute. How do you say that because a woman can't testify, kavuchaymer and eved Canaanite, Maybe a woman can't testify because she's not included in the parsha of I and mean, She's not a man. But taymer eved. As opposed to Evit Kanani, that he's that he does get circumcised. Meaning, perhaps the prerequisite for Eidos is having a brismila. And the reason why women can't do it is because they don't have a brismila. Now, why would that be? Just saying that it's not comparable. So the Gemari says, No, I'll tell you why. If you have a kid who's eight years old, he has a brismila, he can't be an aide. So it shows you that the brismila is not the prerequisite. So the Gemara says, So therefore, the reason why I know that an Evet is Pusle is because. It's a kabbalah chaimer from women, and don't tell me that women are different because they don't have a bris mila. Because a katan also can't be made and he has a bris So whereas the it katan not Time be Yeah, but wait a minute. Not only does an avichanani have a bris milah, he's also obligated in certain mitzvahs. A katan is part of the kol mitzvahs. A katan doesn't have to keep taim mitzvahs. It's chinuch. It's on the parents. So you tell me. say so how do you know avichanani can't do it because uh, women can't? Yeah, women don't have a bris mila. Yeah, but a katan does. Yeah, but a k- captain is not obligated in mitzvahs, and an evek is. At least some mitzvahs. Yeah, but then the response is, women are obligated in some mitzvahs, they still can't be made. She uh, Yeah, each one has has an akudah that makes it unique. What's the common name between kitanim and women? That they're not obligated in all the mitzvahs, Katanim are not obligated in any, and women are not obligated in some. And the apostle ate like, this. So to I bring in Evit Kanani, so apostle So Evit Kanani also. So it's learned out from Matzad from the common denominator, a combination of women and Katanim. Maybe Evit Kanani should be able to testify. It's learned out from a common denominator of Isha and Katan. You know what's unique about Isha and Akotan? Both of them, they're not men. Isha are not men at all, and Katanim are underage men. Time of is opposed to you Jewish. He's an adult male, so maybe he should be able to testify. a gazlin. Okay. How do I know an Kanani cannot testify? Rather, it's learned to from a gazlin. We know a gazlin is a full fledged Jew and his poslatus. Oh, Malagazlin and chicane Mice of Garmoli. Wait a minute. Maybe a gazlin... He's saying, if a goslin can't testify, Kavachayim and Eved Kanani. Yeah, but a goslin, I mean a goslin's a full-fledged Jew, and he can't testify, if Kanani was not Jewish, Kavachayim. But wait a minute, a Gazlin did something bad, he has bad characters. Eved Kanani didn't do anything bad. Turn to Rather, you learn out from Gazlin and from either a woman or a katan, meaning you take a common denominator, the, the psul of an Evid, of an Eved from being, Eved Kanani from testifying, even though it says Achim, is because it's from a combination of Goslin and either cotton or woman, and the common denominator is that these people are Pasil edus, so to an Avikanani is Posel edus. Meaning So you you have a combination of either woman or child, woman or child that they're they they do not keep all the mitzvahs and their puzzle. And then I ah, you're gonna say, but yeah, but an Evakanani is an adult male. Well, Gazel is also an adult male in these puzzles. So it's a combination of all three. The Gemara continues like this. We were trying to figure out the psalm of an Evakanani from being made. Marbury Dervino Amar, Amar he says, I actually have a different puzzle that says, that Evakanani is puzzle like this, because the puzzle says, su Now the puzzle says, A father should not die because of the sons. Now, it says, that a father should not die because of the sons, and a son should not die because of the fathers. Now, the Gemara in Sanhedrin uses this as a pasuk to tell you that brothers cannot testify, that two siblings cannot be aid them together. So a, a father cannot die because of the sons, meaning two sons cannot testify and cause the death of another man. That's what the simple shot of the pasuk is. But the, he says a different shot. Layumsu al-pi lo'i banim. al means that a father should not die, meaning a man should not die, because of the testimony of a man she'ein lo'i banim, who has no genealogical connection to his children. Meaning, in Eved, one of the uniquenesses of an Eved Kenani is that, like Goyim, they don't really have uh, a yichus to their children. The son of a slave is not considered the halachic son of his father. Meaning, when a, fa- a normal Jew, his father, he's the son of his father. So it's like Yaakov ben Yitzchak, Avram ben Moshe. When it comes to slaves, they're like it's a shik like animals. They they really don't have a connection to their parents. So luyum su ova means that a man should not die because of the testimony of someone who has no shaykes to his bonim, i.e., ever. This Pasek is telling me that an Evi kanani cannot serve as an aid. And then Gemara says, Because if you think the Pashup shout of the Pasek is not referring to this, but rather it's what I mentioned in Sanhedrin. That it's just excluding relatives from being Eidim. You don't have to say the word banim; it could say Bnei My Bonim? The reason why it says Bonim, because if it's just telling you that brothers can't testify, it could say Bnei The sons their sons. It says, Bonim, to tell you, Shmamina loyumsu al ovoi she'en loycha'i is Bonim. What it means is, it's telling you this, Yesod. So the Pasuk is teaching you both things. It's telling you both that brothers cannot testify that the apostle Edus together, and it's telling you that an Eved Kanani is Pasal Edus. Because it says the word Bonim, it means you cannot, you cannot serve as an aid if you have no sheiches to your sons. See, so here's the problem. If that's how you die in the Pasuk, go to the end of the Pasuk. L'yumsu bonim l'yumsu alavoysev. That sons cannot die because of the Father. But now use this use this um, this like um, equation. If the first part of the Pasuk is saying that you cannot testify if you have no sheikhs to your sons, that means the end of the Pasuk is you cannot testify if you have no sheikhs to your father. Who's a person who has no sheikhs to his father? A convert. right? You have John who's a guy, and he has a son, and that son converts to Judaism. His name is Avram. He has no sheches to his father. So if you're telling me that the pasuk is to be dash in this way, then now we've created a new Kiddush, and that is, gerim cannot be adam, Which is not true. The Gemara says, according to you, ha-chan-ami. so now if you're going to translate the pasuk this way, go to the end of the Pasek, the son should not die because of the father. She-in it means you cannot testify if you have no shekhs to your own father, which is a, a convert. So we've now made a drasha that a ger cannot be uh, an aid. El a ger hachanami to pasle aidus. A Ger is tak a pasle aidus no way. So you, you, this drusha could be taken if you're posling an Eva Kanani, then you should make the same drusha to passel a convert. So the Gemara says, Amri, wait a minute, Hachi hashta, Ger ni Dein Lichai's Lamaila, Lomati ish Lakhais, Lafuke Evid, Dain Lakhais Laila May Vlamath the Gemara says, No, that's not fair. Maybe the Pasak is only excluding an kanani because he has no Shaikas either way. And Eved has no sheiches to his son, and he has no sheiches to his father. Each person is like an animal, no relation to the generation below below or above. A convert, well, he has no sheiches to his father, he has sheiches to his sons. Right? John is a non-Jew, and he has a son who converts, his name is Avram. Yes, Avram has no sheiches to his father. But when Avram has a baby, that baby's a Jew. So they have a sheiches. So, maybe the drush only goes to passel at Evakanani, but not a Agar, Eger, because Agar at least has Shaykh is one direction. The Gemara continues. I'll say outside what we're going to do, and then we'll see it inside. I'll prove it to you that a convert, that the Pusik is not intending to apostle a convert from being an aide. Why? Because you're saying now that the Pusik is telling me two things. One is it's telling me that Evakanani cannot be an aide because he has no Shaykhs to his sons. And. The end of the Pasuk is saying that a convert cannot be made because he has no as his biological father. Here's the problem. If that was true, then why would I need the Pasuk to exclude an Eved? An Eved has no as in either direction. Which is a bigger chiddush? That an Eved cannot be a a witness? Or a convert? The bigger chiddush is a convert. Because a convert at least has relationships with his future children if the Posig meant to Aser a Ger, then why would I need the pasuk to also Aser an Evid? I'd learn it out from it. I'd say, if the pasuk Aser is a convert from being an Eid, you can't be an aide if you're an Evid. Meaning, if you can't be an aide when you're a full-fledged Jew who's a convert because you have no sheikh as your biological father, you definitely cannot testify when you're a guy who's an evet kanani. The fact that the pasuk. Is Asr and Evakanani means that a Ger by definition is Mutter because if a Ger was Asr, I wouldn't need the Jerushah to Asr and Evakanani, I would figure it out myself. It's a long way to say it. that's the Gemara, says a long way to say it. the Gemara says, Esau, Gadadad, the Ger Postle, this because if you entertain the notion that a convert cannot testify because he has no his children, then Lichtav Rachmana, Rahman, su Avisal B'naim Kadam Rinan, Layum su is then just save the first part of the Pasuk with the word B'naim to exclude siblings from being. Adam. And I don't need the Posik to say that in Eved is Posal, I just have the second part of the Posik that that excludes a convert. And I'll figure out both. The end of the Pasik would be telling me that a convert can if let's assume that a convert cannot testify, the end of the Pasik would be telling me this. And I would figure out an Evan cannot testify as a Kavah just like when it comes to a convert, De de'n that he only has no relationship to his biological father, but he has relationship to his future children. Edis, he can't testify. If that's what you're telling me, then why do I need the pastor to also tell me that an Eved can't testify? Eved, she'in l'mati, 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 l'mati. and then she If an Eved doesn't have a relationship in either direction, of course he's Pastor this <laughs> The fact that the pasuk excludes an evet, the fact that the excludes an evet tells you that a convert is able to, because if an evet was pasuk, I wouldn't need the pasuk to tell me to exclude an evet; it would be posh. So rather, the pasuk is just excluding in an evet, and that's what it means. That you can't testify someone who has no relationship to his children. Now, what's the end of the Pasuk? We got into this because we said if you're going to use this formula, then end the Pasuk. The end of the Pasuk says, which we use this formula to in a Agar from being an aid. But this is not true. So now back to the original question, which is, what what's the end of the Pasuk teach you? So the Gemara says, the answer is very simple. the it's just there for the flow. Meaning, the beginning of the pasuk is the iker and it's excluding evikinani. The end of the pasuk, although it might sound like it's excluding a ger, do not do do not darshan it that way. Rather, it's just there for the context. Okay. Okay. Okay, Rav Shmuel Bar Abba's mother married a man named Rav Abba. Now, she, so she married this man, Rav Abba. She had, Rav Shmuel Bar Abba was her biological son from the first marriage. She wrote, um, after she married Rav Abba, she didn't want Rav Abba to inherit all her stuff when she dies. She wanted to go to her first son, Rav Shmuel Bar Abba. So she marries Rav Abba, but she doesn't want Rav Abba to inherit her. She doesn't want the second husband to inherit her estate. So she wrote, after she was married, she wrote that after she dies, it should all go to her biological son. So the question is, does that work? Now, let me explain what this entire second Ahmed is going to be doing. You see, when she married, let's say she brings into this, she, she marries Rav Abba. She brings into that marriage a field. Now that field belongs to her the Iker, the Karen belongs to her the field itself belongs to her her husband has the right to the Paris he has the right to the to the usage of the fruit the the produce of the field she sold she wrote as an inheritance that that field should go to her biological son when she dies the question is does that work does the fact that her second husband has the right to the Paris prevent her she still owns the principal but she does not have right to the Paris as the principal shareholder, can she give it over inheritance to someone else? Or um, the very fact that she doesn't have Paris, like this is a little bit related to Kenyan Paris ke Kenyan the fact that the, the husband has the right to the Paris, does that prevent her from being able to give it to her, her son or to anybody? So de after she I go to the next page, they asked her, all barabbas, they asked her what's the halacha, and he said the son gets it, meaning that that Rav Abba felt that the wife can give over as an inheritance the field to her son, even though the husband has the rights to the pears. That does not prevent her from giving it over. A little bit like Kenyan pears, lav ke Kenyan Haguf. Also, Rav Abba Amram la Milsa came to Rav Yishai. They told Rav Yishai. Also, Rav Yishai Amram came to Rav Huna. Amram li Hachi Amr Shmuel la Isham Machor Benichzei Belug b'Chayabai Lumei Sahabal Moitz Miadal So they told Rav Yirmibaba, you should know Shmuel disagrees. Shmuel said that if a woman sells that estate, the husband, after she dies, the husband can take it from the buyer, meaning the fact that the husband has the right to the Paris prevents her from giving it to someone else. So, whether this Yerusha goes to the second husband or goes to the son. Amr Kamedir Avim Abraham. They told that Shmuel disagrees with him. So, Amr Lu, he says, I have a Mishnah. Now this Mishnah, again, Rav Yimei point is that the fact that the husband has the rights to the parents does not prevent her from being able to give away the field after she dies. He brings out a Mishnah that also addresses, now it's not in this relationship, this is a woman who's bringing in Nechasm to her marriage, that the husband has parents and she's giving away the actual Karka. Rav Yimei brought a Mishnah. Now this Mishnah is the same concept of one person having the Paris, one person having the goof. It's just a different dynamic. And that is the following. Hakoysev la'achar Maysa. You have a, a father, Avram, and he writes that his son should acquire the field now and after his death. Now and after his death. Now what does that mean? Now what it seemingly means is, he's giving over to his son Yitzchak the field itself right now, but he is retaining the rights of the Paris. So he's giving over the field, but the father is still retaining the rights of the paris. That's what he's doing. So, what's the halacha? So you have the son has the paris. he has the karka. No, I'm sorry. The son has the karka, he has the paris Until he dies. So, none of them can sell it. The father can't sell it because he only has paris. The son can't sell it because he only has the goof, And they can't do a complete sale. But, if the father did sell it, again, the father only has Paris until until uh, until he dies. So, the father has Paris. He has the rights to the Paris. He could sell that until he dies. He could re- sell the rights of the Paris. Let's say the son sold the property. Now, again, the son has the Iker Karaka, but he does not have the Kenyan Paris. Similar to the the mother from the previous discussion, that she had the Iker Karaka, but not the Paris. So, if the son sells it, So if the son sells the land that he does not have the rights of Paris to, the rights of Paris are retained by the father. The sale is not valid until the father dies. That implies, though, that once the father dies, it's a valid sale, even if the son died first. Which means you have Avram and Yitzchak. Avram wrote to Yitzchak that the karka is yours from now until after my death, which means that he's giving over the Iker karka, the field to Yitzchak right now, but he's retaining the rights of Paris until he dies. Yitzchak, the son who only has the karka but not the Paris, sells the land. It is not a valid sale until the father dies, but the second the father dies, it is a valid sale, even though the son had already died, meaning the son never had a moment where he had both. It's still a valid sale. Why? Because the father's rights to the Paris does not prevent him from selling the actual character itself. Kenyan Paris lav kikinian hagov. So says, I'm just summarizing the next little bit. So says, you see from this Mishnah, at least according to our interpretation, of the Mishnah, which is that when the son sells it and the father dies, the sale is valid even though the son had already died in between. It's still a valid sale. Even though he never had more than just Kenyan Karaka, he never had Paris, it's still a valid sale because Kenyan Paris lav kikinian hagov, it does not prevent him. So too, and that's how Rish Lakish interprets this Mishnah, as we'll see in a moment. So too, back to our discussion, the wife who brings into the Nechassim, into the marriage. So she has the Iker Karka, she doesn't have the Peris, she could give it as Yerusha to her son, because the husband's rights to the Peris does not prevent her. It's a pretty good comparison between the two cases. You have the case of Rav Baraba, which is a woman in her marriage, that she has the rights to the Karka, but not to the Peris, and she's giving it away, and whether it's a valid, a valid Yerusha that she can give away, and it's very comparable, seemingly, to this discussion where the father sold, gave the karka to the son, but retained the rights of Paris, and the son sells it. Is it a valid sale when the father dies, even though the son had already died? Did the father's rights to the Paris prevent the sale from really taking place? A very similar discussion. The Gemara says, Av <laughs> when the father dies, this lekech. The sale is valid even though the son had already died and he never had a moment where he had both the karka and the paris because the son even though the son never had it it's still a valid sale and who interprets the mission of this way that the sale is valid even though because you could argue that the sale is only valid if the son is still alive because then when the father dies The entire karka and the paris go to the sons, that is a valid sale. Rish Lakish is a chiddush. No, it's a sale valid even though the son died, which means the son never had kin in paris and kin in aguf. It's still a valid sale because the father's rights to the paris does not prevent him. So the Gemara says, Shem ben Lakish. Who interprets the mission this way? Rish Lakish. It doesn't matter whether the son died and the son never, before the father, so the son never had full rights to the Karka. It doesn't matter whether the father died first. It's irrelevant. The son can still sell it for, that will take place after the father dies. That's Rish Lakish's interpretation. And before we address back to our, the comparison to the case of Rim we're going to explain that this teaching of Lakish is actually a machloik. It's if the son sells it and then the father dies, but the, the son died before the father dies, so when the father dies, when the sale should take place, the son had already died. So the son never had full rights to it. It doesn't work. Rishlokish says, yes, it does. Rishlokish says, yes, it doesn't work. says, it doesn't work, because he says, Ki katani, saav this concept that when the son sells it it'll take place after the father dies is only is only true when the fathers son's still alive so he sells it then when the father dies the sale takes place because the son's alive the second the father dies the son now retains the right to the karaka and the Paris so now the sale's valid but if the son had already died delay also the son never had full rights of the produce as well Paris ki Rav Yechner feels that the kinin of the Paris, the rights of the Paris, is the kinin aguf. Therefore, because the father had the rights to the Paris, the son cannot sell it. The only way the sale will be valid is if the father dies first, so that the son has everything. But if the son dies first, meaning that when the son sold it, he only had the rights to the karaka, not the Paris, it's not a valid sale. Rishlokish disagrees. He says, no. He says, no. Loishna ben ben paris and Rishlakish disagrees. Rishlakish 계속... says the kinen of the paris is not the ikur. It's whoever owns the land can sell it. So therefore, again, it maybe it will only take place. It will only take place after the father dies. But the son has the rights to sell it. So Rishlakish shita is that the rights of karka kinen paris lav of aguf. The right to the paris does not make you the real owner. That was that discussion when the case of the father and the son. So the Gemara now takes it back to Rav Yimei bar Anon hashta. Ben Rav bar Ben Rav Yehuda, holds like Rish Lakish. Again, what did Rav Yim Baraba say? The woman who brings the land into the marriage. So this, the husband has rights to the paris, but she owns the karka. If she wants to give it over as inheritance to her son, she has the rights to do so. I, the husband has the rights to the paris, that doesn't matter. Kenyan Paris love Kenyan Aguf. Rav Yemibarab is basing it on Lokish. Come, Rav Yemibarab. Rav Yemibarab is now saying, Isol Gadai that Kenyan Paris love Kenyan Aguf. Kimaes Av, Umaes Ben, Bchaya Av, Amay Yisrael Lokeiach. Kikazovin Hai, Lovedi Dikazovin. Elav Shmami No. Kenyan Paris love Kenyan Aguf. Rav Yemibarab holds like Lokish. that Kenyan Paris love Kenyan Aguf, and therefore, therefore, it makes sense that he would say that the wife has the right to give it over. So the Gemara says, so They told the Rehuda this statement, which is again, the Rebbein discussion is very similar, eerily similar to Reish Lakish. So Rebbe this said, They're not related. They're not comparable. That your concept of Reish Lakish's teaching, that the son can sell the karka when the father gave it over to the son, but retain the rights of the Paris, That the son can sell the karka. That will take place after the father's death, even though the son also died. So the son never had kin Paris, It's still good because kin Paris is is not all that. It's not all that it cracks out to be. That comparison to your case of the wife is not a good comparison. The question is why not? I think it's a pretty good comparison. My timer. So, the first the Gemara is going to say, maybe it's not a comparison because of the following. You see, you're learning out from Rish Lakish that the rights of the Paris is not is not uh, powerful. Why? Because, again, what's the case? The father Avram says to son Yitzchak, This land is yours now, the Karka is yours now, but I'm holding the rights of the Paris until after I die. The son then sells it, it's a valid sale, the sale will take place after the father's death, whether the son's alive or not, I the, the father had the rights of the paris, the sons iker, because You want to apply that to other cases, says the Gemara no. If it would have taught the opposite, if it would have taught that the and that a son gives over the rights of the parents, the rights of the, the if it would have been the reverse, which is the son has land. Yitzchak has land. And he gives it over to his father, Avram, now. But he holds the rights of the Paris. and then the exact same cheshven. Then I'd hear it. The Gemara says, maybe over here it's not comparable. Why? You want to use this discussion of Rish Lakish as a larger discussion as to whether the rights of the Paris prevents the owner of the land from being selling, giving it away, whatever. can in Paris, can go for now. Maybe not. In this case, it's a little different. Why? Avram is the father. He has land. Now when he dies, it'll go to Yitzchak. Automatically. What did he do? He gave it over to Yitzchak now, but held over the, the rights of the Paris. Says the Gemara. Why did he do that? The second he dies, it goes to the son anyway. Elamai... When he gave it over to the son, he was really giving it over in a stronger way. Meaning, maybe in general, Kenyan Paris is Kenyan Agrof. Maybe the rights of Paris is strong. I, in this case, Rish Lakish feels that it's not. And that's why the father, who has the rights of the Paris, cannot prevent the son from selling it. Maybe over here it's different. The son is going to get the land anyway. It's his anyway. Now, when the father gave it to him, although he retained the rights of the Paris, that was a real giving over the Karka. It's like a stronger Nasina. In general, when you have, let's say, a marriage where one person has character, one person has parents, I don't know whether the parents is strong or not. All I know is this case where the father gave it over to the son, and he was going to get it anyway. The son was going to get it anyway. So why did the father do this now? It was in order to give him more strength. If it was the opposite, if it was the son giving it over to the father, then it would be a good riot, because the father's not going to get it when the son dies. But over here, it's the opposite. It's the father giving it over to the son. The son is going to get it anyway. So why is the father doing this? It's in order to give him a stronger stance. That's why Kenyan Peres because the father is sort of giving away his rights. The Gemara says, wait a minute, wait, wait. you're saying if it was the opposite it would make more sense. If the son had written it for the father then it makes sense. Why? Because fathers never inherit sons. Fathers inherit sons all the time. What, what are you talking about? Your whole argument is flawed. You're saying, why would the father do this? It's going to the son anyway. The answer is, there's multiple siblings. The reason why the father did this is not because it's automatically going to the son, and the reason why he did this is to strengthen his hand, and it's stronger than other cases. Forget about it. He gave it over to the son because the, because there are other siblings. Meaning, this is a very good comparison to other cases of kindergarten, so what does Shmuel mean? So the Gemara ends off with this, What did Shmuel mean? this case is not comparable to other cases meaning this case of a father and son is not something you could apply and that discussion mm-hmm. is not something that can be extrapolated to to it cannot be compared and and to the case of the wife and the with her husband again what was the original case that a wife brings into the marriage karika that karaka is hers, but the husband, the new husband, has the rights to the paris. She wants to give it over the karaka when she dies to her her, uh, her her biological children, his stepchildren. So Shmuel felt no good. We thought it was a discussion, can you payers? Can you, says, no, you know why this is different? Because over here there's a takana susha. In the city of Usha, they made the following takana. In the city of Usha, they were metakian. If a woman sold her property in her life and her husband's lifetime, and then died, Mavish's case meaning over here it's a little different. Chazal were not happy with her doing this because Chazal knew that when a man marries a woman, he wants to get the part of the allure of the marriage was getting the land, and yes, while she's alive, he just has the rights of the parents, but he knows that when she dies, he's gonna pass it on to his kids. Therefore, the reason why this is worse. In general, there is a discussion where one person has Paris, one person has Aguf, what's the icker, what's stronger. Over here it's different. Chazal were not happy with a woman basically undercutting her husband and protecting her biological children. Chazal were not happy with that. In Usha there were Metakin that if a woman sold land that belonged to her, that the husband had the right to the Paris, the husband could undo the sale when she does. Why? Because it's not kin paris. Forget about kin paris. This is different. Because I were not happy with this. In order to make a happy marriage, they wanted it to be that what she brings into the marriage, the husband's gonna get. It's a second marriage. That's part of the deal. And they didn't want her to undercut the new husband. That was part of the deal. And therefore, that's why Shmuel was against it. It's not something that can be applied to the general discussion of Kin Paris, Love This is a separate issue. Okay, we'll stop here. Pick it up tomorrow, but